Beruchim and Imsaim, ladies, welcome. Uh, we continue our study of the uh, Parashiyot, Sifat Bereshit, and uh, today we direct our attention to Parashat Vayera. And there's much to say on the Parashah, and the challenge is, is to decide what to leave out because everything over here is major. However, uh, one topic that in past years we haven't uh, devoted a lot of time to is the story of the destruction of Sedom and its aftermath. I think you're well aware of what happened. There were some cities that Bore Olam threatened to destroy, and Abraham Abinu would petition God you know, if there's 50 tzaddikim, 45, 40, and so on. And finally, uh, Abraham came down to 10, and uh, they couldn't even find 10 tzaddikim. And then God uh, said that he's going to destroy that whole area. It was a kikar, it was actually five cities uh, combined. And we also know that although there were no survivors from the event except one, and that was Lot and his daughters. And we all know what happened after that, that Lot and his daughters uh, went into a cave, and uh, miraculously there was some wine in the cave, and they got their father drunk, and before you knew it, they were pregnant. They thought that their father was the only man left in the world, and that therefore they have to continue to procreate. And from that questionable uh, situation, was born to uh, Lot's daughters, Amon and Moab. That's really the story in a nutshell. Uh, now I want to read some Pesukim so we can study it in depth. I do intend to say a, a big Hadush here, but uh, you're going to have to be patient because I don't intend to say it in the first 52 minutes. It'll come at the end. But it needs to be built up. You know, some people like to say the punchline right away. I'm not uh, that type. So the Pasuk says, if you're following inside, Perik Yutet, Pasuk Chav Zayin. That's where we begin the story. It's uh, at the end. Vayeshkem Abraham Baboker. Abraham wakes up early in the morning. That's not a hadush to anybody. He always wakes up early in the morning. Abraham established Tefilat Shahrit. He didn't pray in the last minyan. He prayed in the first minyan. He had come and he stood in the place where he stood the day before. The day before he stood in the place asking God, don't destroy Sedom. Well, the next morning, Sedom was destroyed. So he went right back to that, that spot. And he just gazed. He just gazed out, you know, to the wilderness in front of him. And he saw he saw bellowing smoke and fire. It was like a volcano erupted. You know, the larva, the ash. He saw destruction in front of him. And at the time that God was destroying the, the plain, the area, the Sodom area. Okay, he remembered Abraham. <laughs> Why did the destruction of Sodom cause God to remember Abraham? Abraham is the Sadiq. If God remembered Abraham, you'd think he wouldn't destroy Sodom. But it says he remembered Abraham. Abraham. And as a result of remembering Avraham, what did he do? So God retrieved Lot and he saved Lot. What does that mean? From amongst the, the turn, the turnover, the, 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 the destruction. The way the Torah refers to the destruction over here is not metocha hashhata or metocha haraash. Over here it says he saved the metocha hapecha. 
when something is hafuk, it's turned over. Because the Hakamim say that God actually turned over the cities. If you look earlier, when it says at the time of the destruction, So Rashi says, So he says, they were all on a rock. They stood on a rock bed. But Olam flipped the rock, and therefore they, they turned on their face, basically, the city. So that's it's the way the city was destroyed. So therefore, it's coming to say that although there was a there was an upheaval, Lot was saved mitocha hafecha. He was saved from that turning upside down. Somehow he got out. Okay, very nice. Seforno has a little different explanation on what vayahafoch means that God turned the cities. I'm reading Seforno. He says vayahafoch. That God turned the city and all the elements of the city from being normal elements into fire and ash and all sorts of uh, destructive material. Just like the Pasuk says by the plagues, God turned their waters to blood. That's hafach. So when you change one element to a different element, that's called hafach. And therefore, <clears throat> instead of raining dew, D-E-W, in the morning, says Forno, salt came down. And the salt came down and burnt the ground. So that's vayahafok. All the elements changed. Like he says, And therefore everything became uh, uh, destructive and, and, and burnt the... Uh, uh, the, the, the city. So that's the Vayahafoch. And Lot was saved from that Hafecha. Although everything was, all the elements were turning into, from dirt into sulfur, Gofrit, Vamelach, Serefa, Kol Arza, like it says, Lot was, was saved. Okay, fine. I saw the Malbim, just FYI. The way he explains these pesukim over here, that God remembered Abraham. What does it mean he remembered Abraham? So it says, because Abraham prayed for Lot. That was the prayer that he made the second morning. First morning he prayed for Sedom. Well, when he woke up, he saw he didn't get that. So Malbim says, he got up and he started to pray Sha'arit. Who was he praying for? Please God Almighty, save my nephew's uh, Lot. And when he looked across the, uh, the plains that he saw doom and destruction, he said, it doesn't look like Lot is going to get out of here. Who could escape this? So Abraham started to feel uh, agony. He started to feel sad because his nephew is not going to be saved. So the Pasuk says, God remembered Abraham, meaning he remembered his prayer that he made on the second day, and he saw that Abraham was in, was in pain, and therefore, by Shalach et Lot he saved Lot as a result of that prayer. And actually, according to some of the Mefarshim, I think the Radak says, God actually told Abraham, don't be upset, don't worry, Lot is okay. Because there's no way Abraham could know that. So God had to tell him, God remembers Abraham and therefore tells him about Lot that there's nothing to worry. He saved from the Hapecha. Fine. That's just explaining the Pesukim on simple levels, what happened here. But now we read the Rashi's over here. Because that's really the question. What do you mean God remembered Abraham? So according to the Malbim, God remembered the prayer of Abraham, that he prayed for Lot, and therefore God answered his prayer and saved Lot and told him about it. But Rashi has a different explanation. What are we talking about Abraham over here? So he says, actually, God remembered Abraham and what Lot did to Abraham. And that's what saved Lot. I mean, Lot got saved because he did something for Abraham. And God remembered that episode and that served as a zechut for Lot. And the question is, what did he remember? So that she writes, 
מהו זכירתו של אברהם? עלות נזכר שהיה לוט יודע ששרה אשתו של אברהם. לוט נו that אברהם ושרה were married. פשוט. ושמע שאמר אברהם במצרים על שרה אחותי Remember we learned last week when Abraham went to Mitzrayim and Abraham felt threatened because Sarah was a beautiful lady and he was worried that Paro might take uh, Sarah and if he would say that he's the husband, he would get killed. So what did he say? No, that's, that's my sister, that we're brothers. And Lot who knew the truth He didn't go to Paro and, and, and snitch on Avram and reveal it. He kept the secret. Therefore God had mercy on him. Okay, I'm not so sure exactly why is that such a great zechut for Lot. Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't be moser, his uh, uncle, uh, to the cops, to, to the authorities. And they say, well, you kept the secret, you knew some information. I mean, you got to be a bad guy to snitch on Avraham Avinu. Uh, so I would assume that that's expected from Lot not to open his mouth. But the Torah is very generous. You didn't open your mouth. You could have uh, opened your mouth. Maybe there was some sort of motivation for Lot to open his mouth. I'm not sure yet. But they say, you know what? Now, not everybody agrees with Nashi. The Ramban, for example, in the same place, Vayiskod Elohim et Avraham, that God remembered Avraham, Inyana katuf ki lot nithasedim asadik. Lot did a big chesed to the sadik. What chesed is that? Lalechet imo. Ah, different thing. Then he traveled with him. You remember Avraham was told, Lech lecha? Now, God did not tell Lot, Lech lecha. Lot was sitting home, he was comfortable, but he said, my uncle and my... Uh, 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 Sarah, I guess it's his aunt also, and his sister-in-law, however you want to learn the relationships. I can't let the Sadiq travel alone. Let me need somebody to help him and so on. So he decided to give Avraham a free escort that Avraham didn't even ask for. He went with him. Why did he go? To keep him company. That he shouldn't be alone. So that's why in the zikhut of Abraham, Lot has to get saved. Because of that merit. Then the Ramban goes further. It's amazing. How did Lot get to Sedom in the first place? Where was Lot? Lot was living in Haram. He chose to go with Abraham and as a result... By going with Abraham, eventually they became wealthy and they had to split. And then Lot ends up going to Sedom. But if Lot never would have went with Abraham in the first place, he still would have been in Haran. So actually, who caused, I mean, indirectly, Lot to get to Sedom? Abraham. I mean, if Lot never would have traveled with Abraham in the first place, he never would have got to Sedom. So it's almost as if And this is an amazing uh, lesson in responsibility. That Abraham technically is responsible for Lot. And the Ramban writes, V'lulei Abraham, if it wasn't for Abraham, Odenu haya b'haran, he would have still been in haran. Now listen to the language. V'lo yitachem sh'tavo elav ra'a ba'avur Abraham sh'yatsa b'mitzvat kono. You know, there's a rule when you, when you do a mitzvah, no bad could come out of the mitzvah. Abraham was doing a mitzvah. So what? From this mitzvah of listening to God, it's going to cause Lot's death? Now, it, even indirectly, it can't. Nothing, nothing bad can come from this. And therefore, the Rahman says, God saved Lot on account of Abraham. Because since he traveled with Abraham, so therefore it's really, I'm not going to say Abraham's fault, but... If he didn't travel with Abraham, he never would have got there. And therefore, he was traveling on a mitzvah mission, at least for Abraham. And therefore, no damage can come, not to Abraham and not to his entourage, through this mitzvah. And therefore, God has to save Lot for the zikhut of Abraham. Now, the Ramban, 
To me, I understand the Ramban. That, now you're talking something. That to me is a sacrifice. So to travel and pick up his whole family, leave Haran, to go to an unknown place and to keep company with the tzaddik. This is something uh, I understand. But what she's saying seems minimal to me, to be honest. He didn't reveal a secret. Okay, yeah, big deal. You know, I'm not saying we shouldn't give him credit. But you know, if somebody would say, in what zechut did, did your life get saved? I don't know if that's a life-saving mitzvah. It, it, it's, it's two points, I'm not saying no. But to get such credit for a, a mitzvah like that? So I must say that there's a famous piece from the Saba from Slobotka. You figure out how to write Slobotka. I, can't, I don't know how to spell it, but you can figure it out. But anyway, the Saba from Slobotka said something, something beautiful. He said, you're looking for zikuyot. You're looking for zikuyot for Lot. I mean, we got the perfect zikut. Look at this man. When Avraham came to Sedom, and Lot, or the angels, I'm sorry, came to Sedom. I'm sorry, when the angels came to Sedom. And we know Sedom had a strict policy where you're not allowed to have hospitality. Hospitality was against the law. It's probably the new governor, that'll be the law in New York soon. But the point is that this was against the law. It was, it was, a, it was a terrible town. Sedom, and they had cruel laws. And Hesed was, was banned. And Lot risks his life knowing that he can be not only incarcerated, but he can be killed, and he invites the Malachim into his house, not knowing that the Malachim, at great risk, and even if he knew that there were Malachim, you remember the, the mob that came to his door after he brought the guests in, and they were banging on his door, and they said, we're going to kill you and let him out, and then the second the fashot. So I would say, yes, that's the zechut of Lot. I mean, look at, look, at, look at the man. The man was more nefesh for chesed. And don't they say, so why don't they give Lot that credit? So Sabah Mislavatka says something amazing. I mean, it goes into the deep, the nature of how human beings work. He says, of course it's a big zechut that Lot had hospitality. But he was raised with it. He lived with Abraham. So he had a teacher for that. And he saw it, and not to minimize it, but it became part of his, part of his value system. He had a Rebbe that taught him chesed. You're watching the master do it all day long. So therefore, living with Abraham creates a certain natural tendency that Lot is, not going to say programmed, but is leans towards this mitzvah because that's, that's what he saw. He had great, a great role model in Abraham. And therefore, to copy something you saw is very good, but it's not as good as what he did when he was in Mitzrayim and did not reveal the secret. That's his own accomplishment. That's something that, it's like he said, oh, I learned that from uh, the tzaddikah over there. No. Who, who told you that when you know information, it's a mitzvah sometimes to keep it under your tongue and you don't have to say everything you know, even though maybe you stand to get benefit? I don't know. I just thought about it on my own. So Saba Mastabatka says, a personal uh, 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 accomplishment of figuring it out on your own, what's considered ethical and right, is greater than something that you might have picked up. So I'm learning from the tzaddik. So that's why that zechut, because that Lot owns that merit. It, it was self-developed. It was, it was created from within Lot. And therefore, that's something that's <coughs> more valuable. We're not weighing against not telling a secret. Maybe telling, inviting guests under duress is greater. But for Lot, not telling the secret is greater because he... It, it, was, it was promoted from himself. It was, it was, it was born from within Lot. That's the Sabah B'Sabatka. And I'd just like to add, I saw, I don't know, I have a lot of papers here, but I saw in this sefer called Sedala Derech, 
He's a commentator on the Rashi. His name is Rabbi Meir Danon. He was a student of Rabbi David Pardo. He lived in the 5600. That's about 200 years ago, a little less. And he says that, don't think it was such an easy uh, thing for Lot not to reveal. Why? He explains beautifully. He says, what did Abraham tell Paro? That's my sister. And therefore, I'm her brother. Now, what was his plan? His plan was, because now all the candidates that want to date, forgive me, Sarah, you got to go through the brother. And therefore, what happened? That is also in the line that lines up. You know, I'd like to court your sister. And they're, they're giving Abraham gifts, and they're bribing him, and they're giving him all sorts of... And it says, Abraham leaves Egypt a wealthy man just from all the money that he made. You know, the next guy says, what about me? Get online. You know, you're number 353. Uh, take a ticket. And, and therefore, when Abraham Abinu was saying that he's the brother, it ended up becoming uh, Parnassah. Everybody wants to become friends with Abraham. Not because they really like Abraham, but they know he's the entrance to the, to the pretty sister. And therefore, he started to get gifts. All of a sudden, he comes back to his hotel room. There's all boxes in front of his hotel. Welcome to town, Baruch Abba, you know, all sorts of stuff. And, uh, you know, with a, with a phone number, let your sister call me, and so on and so forth. And therefore, Abraham's becoming wealthy. And why is he becoming wealthy? Just because he said, I'm her brother. Now, Lot could have said, hold it. But I am really the brother. Because Lot was the brother of Sarah. And we know that Lot had a weakness for money. So therefore, I mean, Lot's saying, hold it. The guy who's not the brother, who's calling himself the brother, is cashing in. All I got to do is tell Paro and show my license and, and my COVID card that I'm the real brother. And then I'll make all this money myself. That was Lot's test. So for Lot to come along and say, you know what, I love money, and I know Abraham's making money on what I could make legally. He's doing it illegal because he's really not the brother. But you know what, it's not worth it. I'm going to hold the secret. I'll keep the secret under my tongue. And therefore, I'm not going to say it. So that, that, that already makes the test of Lot something, you know, something that you have to give him more credit for. It's like he kept the secret. He kept the secret at great sacrifice. Because Abraham was saying something that Lot really was. And Lot could have used that honest claim of brother relationship to Sarah to cash in. And he didn't. So that's the way, that's the way uh, uh, they learned that. Uh, I'm going slow. I didn't even say anything yet. This is just basic interpretations of the Pasuk. What it means when it says that God remembered Abraham, sorry, God remembered Lot on account of Abraham. By Yuskor Elohim et Abraham, by Shalah et Lot, metofa hafecha. And therefore he saved Lot from the hafecha. From the hafecha, either from the, the turnover of the city, or metofa hafecha, from all the elements that changed. He wasn't affected by the sulfur and the raining salt and all that change of, uh, of, uh, of the planet didn't affect them. All the, the climate change. Fine. Now I'd like to go back for a minute. Let's go back, and I'd like to explain these pistokim now in a much deeper way. That's a simple shot way. Beautiful, I don't say no. Beautiful explanation. But I'd like to explain what's the value of Lot keeping the secret. There's a value here. There's a great value for Lot. But in order to understand it, we need to go to a different part of the parasha, the beginning of the parasha, which is everybody knows it. So you remember Abraham is circumcised, it's on the third day, and he's visited by the three angels. And each angel had a different job, as you know. One angel was to cure Abraham, that was Rafael. One angel was to give Sarah the good news that she's going to have a baby, that was Michael. And then one angel actually, his purpose was to go destroy Sedom. That was Gabriel. Gabriel is Givura, 
Givurah is the angel of, of fire, of Givurah, of Deen. Therefore, that was his, his job. Of course, everybody asks this simple question, so why didn't he just go destroy Sedom? You know, well, I, I, I don't blame him. He wants to go see the tzaddik. I also would want to go see the tzaddik. If my friends are going to visit the Hafez Chaim, you know, I'm going to go with them. So if, if you tell me, listen, Gabriel didn't want to pass up an opportunity to visit the tzaddik, then, okay, I can't blame him. But, uh, I mean, you, you could visit him anytime. You're Gabriel. Why, why did he go at this point over here to visit? It seems that his visit to Abraham was not germane to anything that he was doing, he was going to destroy Sedom. So just go destroy Sedom. Was there a pit stop? I mean, he wasn't hungry for lunch. Uh, so therefore, that's a question that he always asked. What was Gabriel uh, doing uh, at, um, at the house? Anyway, you also know that when they get to Avraham's house, strange conversation ensues. Now, it might not be strange uh, in our generation, but it's certainly not the language that you expect uh, angels to talk. And at one point, the Pasuk says that the angels ask Avraham, uh, Where is Sarah, your wife? Uh, that's a, it's kind of a personal question to ask. I, I, I would be very uh, concerned if somebody would ask me that as a guest where my wife was. I certainly wouldn't answer, that's for sure. I, I would probably call the cops <laughs> or, you know, show me one of those services. I mean, what, what, what's your business over here? Why do you care where my wife is? What's your business? But Abraham is a very generous man. And Abraham comes along and says, he answers, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, gives, he gives the exact location, So how are we to explain the question and the answer? So I did see something actually very beautiful from the Sefer called Haktab HaKabbalah, which is very, 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 very nice. Explains the question, and it explains Abraham's answer, The angels are coming now to this man. He's 100 years old. He's on the third day of a very painful surgery, which is the most painful day. It is a sweltering hot day. And now they show up. And who's running around tending to them? Abraham. And he's getting them the bread, and he's getting them the tongue, and he's bringing them the condiments and the mustard and all that. And these angels come along and say, I mean... Do you not have a wife? I mean, <laughs> I mean and, and if you do have a wife, I mean, what, what kind of wife is she? she, she she's, she's negligent. She makes you do all the work, set the table for the guest. Doesn't she know that you just went through a surgery? Doesn't your wife have the... Uh, so therefore they're asking, where's your wife? How come she's not the one that's doing the... Which is a normal question now. When you, when you come home and you see somebody all bandaged up and he's in his bathrobe and his pajamas and he barely could walk and he's bringing stuff to the table, you say, well, where's your wife? <laughs> What's going on over here? We never saw such a thing like this. So, since when does the, 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 the tzaddiket let his husband, especially this is the house of Hesed, that, that was the question. Your wife should be taking care of this. And Avijah's Lashon, he says... They were actually not asking for a location. Where is she? They would just say, where is she? You know what I mean? They weren't asking for a location. Madua ena kiloman madua he tishanem in hagaolam. Why is she changing from the normal practice of the world? Shanashim misaderot hashulchan. The ladies usually set the table. When you're so weak and you're so needy from the Milah, it would be worthy that uh, she should help you. Not you. And then he came along and said, Now, the word Hine, you have to know the answer, Hine Ba'ohel. Whenever you see the word hineh, 
Hine implies something new, a surprise. Always, yes, behold, which, which introduces something out of the ordinary. Hine is a language, I mean, he could have just said ba'ohil. He didn't say ba'ohil, he said hine ba'ohil. What's the hine do? Uh, something out of the ordinary. That means he was saying, normally she doesn't stay there. Usually she's out helping, uh, serving the guests. But he ne'er, surprised, <laughs> today she can't come out of the ohil. Now he's giving them a little remez. Although my wife was 90 years old, but today something happened to her like she's an 18 year old. And she can't leave the ohil today. She's, she went back to her youth. So therefore, it's a hine. It's a surprise. <laughs> what do you think, my wife? She thinks she would let me be doing this if she was able to come out? She's leaving me to do this because hine, surprise, behold. She's, she's in the tent. She's, she has no option to leave the tent today. Especially she doesn't want to impurify all the foods that we're serving, so she cannot even touch the foods. We don't serve those type of foods in our house, and we never had a problem with it because she was never teme'ah like that. But now, something changed. How are we learning the Kedem Kabbalah? The beautiful, beautiful explanation. Now, I know I've said this in previous years, and I know that there's some people, not in the ladies' class, you're more forgiving than other classes, you know, by the men, they can't wait to remind me, oh, you said it three years ago, uh, this uh, Hidush over here, as if there's some crime to repeat a uh, Hidush. Uh, and they repeat their, their same corny jokes ten times and they have no problem with it, the Malay Batim. But when a rabbi repeats a Debrei Torah, as if there's some statute of limitations that, you know, it's within the seven years and therefore you have no right to repeat it. And I always tell them that if you listen closely, Whenever I repeat a chidush, it's only because I have something to, to add. And I learned that from my rabbi, Hakam Baruch, he was very, very accustomed to repeat certain things. And I knew that there was a reason why he was repeating it. And on the contrary, I used to become more attentive when he was repeating something because I know it was for the chidush that's inside of it. And my ears wanted to catch where the, where the chidush was because he wouldn't always tell you what the, what the I'm going to make it easy, I'm going to tell you where the chidush is. But he, he didn't. He would just say it over, assuming that you caught the nuance that he wanted to, uh, uh, to add. And some of my notes I have even, uh, the Hadush and then the addition, and the addition, and then the addition, and the addition, addition, version one, version two, version three. And you see each one makes it more you know, rich and, and it makes it more uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, pertinent to whatever he was talking about. So I'm going to go back to an old Hadush, but for the Hadushib or for the addition. I'm answering this word hine, hine ba'ohil. Something new. And it comes from the rabbi called the Hadush Harim. And the Hadush Harim says that, that we all know the famous Gemara that talks about David Melech alav shalom. It's Gemara Yivamot. And the question is, is David is he legitimate? They were discussing him that he might be the next king of Israel. And Doeg, who was the enemy of David, he said, well, forget about being the next king of Israel. We don't even know if he could be accepted into the Jewish congregation. They questioned David's legitimacy because his grandmother. His grandmother was a very controversial figure. At least then. Today, Ruth, the verdict is she's a tzadeket and there's no question on Ruth. But then, the verdict, uh, the jury was still out. What's the status of Ruth? She definitely converted to Judaism. But since she converted from Moab, uh, Moab was on the list that we're not really allowed. We can accept converts from Moab, but once they convert, they can't come into the congregation. So anybody that descends from Moab must, must stay, you know, outside. And since David is the grandson of Moab Ruth, so he's out. So forget about king. I mean, he can't even marry into the congregation. That was Doeg's claim. You following so far? 
And then a big machloket came out in the bit midrash. I'm going to make it quick because it's known. A big machloket came out. Is he is he legitimate? Is he not legitimate? Can you believe this? They're questioning David. So the analysis went like this. They said, "Well, why is Moab forbidden? Why were they banned from the congregation? <clears throat> they were banned because they weren't hospitable. They weren't hospitable when we came out of Egypt." We passed their land and they didn't come out to, uh, you know, to give us uh, food and uh, sandwiches and uh, water, basic stuff. Stuff that we would have paid for, by the way. So it's not like we were asking for sedaka. They didn't even come out to let us pay for it. So therefore, Torah says, inhospitable people, you're out. You cannot connect to the hospitable Jews. That's why they're banned, because they're cruel, they're inhospitable. So the... Uh, the Gemara comes along and says, uh, yeah, okay, but uh, you can't blame the Moavi woman for not coming out. Uh, you know, uh, Moavi woman, maybe, maybe it's not appropriate for them to go to the, to the men. You're right, Doeg said, but they could have came to the Jewish ladies. Why didn't they come greet the Jewish ladies? I mean, let the men go to the men. And, let the, and they didn't even do that. So therefore, the ladies were inhospitable, and therefore, uh, the Mu'avi women are just as forbidden as the men. They both showed signs of, uh, of cruelty and, and lack of hesed. The men should have greeted the men, the ladies should have greeted the ladies, and they didn't, therefore they're equally banned. That's what Doeg said. And therefore, Ruth is banned, and if Ruth is banned, David is illegitimate, and have a good day. Until the rabbis came up with a blockbuster, and it's a blockbuster, that actually saves King David. They came along and they said, you know what? You can't have any claims why the Moabi ladies didn't come out at all. Not for the men and not for the ladies. You know why? Because, kol kivuda bat melech penima. You know what I the, the, the honor of a woman is to be inside. And you could never have a claim against a lady that stayed inside. Uh, you could have a claim if she left, but when she's inside, there's never a claim. Because it's part of tziniut. And you can never punish a lady for being overly tziniut. And even if it means she didn't go out to give out the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, well, she was being tanua. And that's, that's more important. And therefore, kol kivuda bat melech. That's the first pasuk to give our quotes. We know that pasuk. If you're a lady, you know that pasuk. And then the Gemara says, and we also know it from Sarah. When the angels asked Abraham, where's Sarah? What did they say? She's in the Ohel. And the rabbis say, to show us that she was modest. She wasn't out in Manhattan gallivanting or shopping or you know, doing other things. She's an old religious Jewish woman. Where did she find herself? In Eba Ohel. And therefore, Sinu'ah. So the Gemara says, you see... And therefore, no claim against the Moabi woman. Therefore, although the men of Moab, they're out, but the ladies are in, Ruth is in, and David is in. And Doeg, you're a troublemaker. Nice try, but like they say in America, no cigar. So now the Hadusharim takes that story of the, of the Gemara and applies it to this story of Abraham. Now, you remember when they went to destroy Sedom, so they ultimately saved Lot. And uh, the question is, what was Lot's merit? And according to the Talmud, they say because it actually was uh, something that would come out of Lot. It wasn't something in Lot himself, but Lot had a, a descendant that we would need to come into this world. So, you know, sometimes we say zechut avot. In this case, it was zechut banim. <laughs> sometimes we say we're living in the merit of our ancestors. In this case, Lot was living in the merit of his descendants that didn't even come out yet. So as if to say, listen, God says... We don't care too much about you, Lord, but there's, there's a jewel inside of you and we got to get that out of you. So you need to live until that escapes from you. And that's who? Moab. Well, from Moab will come Ruth. 
and from Ruth will come David. So we're saving Lot for the, uh, you know, for the future. And actually, it's a, it's a Pasuk Tehillim. The Pasuk Tehillim says, Matsati et David. Pasuk says, I found David. So the Midrash writes, where did you find him? So the Midrash answers, we found him in Sedom. Now, I don't think David ever went to Sedom. <laughs> what the Gemara is saying is, the Neshama of David, I found him. And they say, where'd you find him? In Sedom, he was hiding uh, in the belly of, uh, of Lot and his daughters. And therefore, uh, they're being saved for that reason. I'm continuing for a minute. You following me so far? Yeah. Okay, good, very good. I'm just asking. Just checking in. I have to check in in five minutes. So now, what happens is, the angel that's in charge of saving Lot is only doing it for David. But if David is not legitimate anyway, like Doeg claimed, so there's no need to save Lot. Now, what is the key of David's legitimacy? That the ladies were not considered guilty for not going out because it's the way of the ladies to be inside. Now, the angel doesn't know that halakha. The angel has to first go to the Gadol Hador, to the great rabbi of the generation, to get a ruling on what is the nature of these ladies. So the angel will come to Avram and say, Ishtecha. The angel that was going to destroy Sedom and ultimately save Lot is not asking Avram a social question, it's a halachic question. Where is Sarah meaning? Is it the way of ladies to be in the house and therefore we cannot indict the Moabi ladies in the future and therefore Ruth will be accepted and therefore David is accepted and therefore I should save Lot? Is that the question? <laughs> Abraham being the great rabbi that he was understood the question. So he says, she's in the tent, that's the way of the ladies. The Mu'avi women are not going to be held accountable. Ruth will be okay. Go on your way. Go save Lot. And that's why he had to come to visit Abraham. Although his job was in Sedom, he needed to get a... Exactly. He needed to get the okay from Abraham. And now the addition that I never said in this part of this, the Dirash. At this point, a new halachic ruling was presented. Abraham was presenting a new ruling that the Moabit ladies are permissible. And therefore he introduces the ruling by saying, this is something new. The fact that she's in the Ohel is a hine moment. It's a moment of surprise now because we have just ruled now a new law that was never, was never said. So the hine is going on the halachic ramification that would come from this ruling. And therefore basically he's telling the angel, go to Sodom and save him. Now, second addition to this Hadush. There's going to be more, but this is the second. If you look at Perik Yutet, Perik Yutet. By the way, do you notice? I didn't notice this. I saw it was pointed out by one of the rabbis. The Perashah begins in chapter 18 when the angels came to visit. Abraham. And the chapter goes all the way, it's a long chapter, to the end of the destruction of Sedom, to the story of Lot and his daughters in the cave, and the chapter ends with the birth of Ammon and Moab from Lot's daughter, and then the chapter ends. That's a long chapter with a lot of different subjects. Usually you would break, break the subjects up by sort of one of the rabbis because the last subject of Ammon and Moab being born is connected to the first story of the ruling of Abraham. So it's all one. There is a connection between episode number one in Perik Yudchet and the final episode in Perik. So it's all connected. That's what the Torah wants to keep it. Don't think the events that happened when Ammon and Moab don't belong in this chapter. They do. Because that's why Lot was saved. Because what Abraham said, you know, 30 Pesukim ago. That's a nice, nice addition. 
third edition is that if you look at Perik Yutet, let's see over here. Sasuk says over here, Perik. Abraham is praying over here. Let's see over here. So the Pasuk says like this. It is Pasuk Tedvav. There we go. So when they're saving Lot and his daughters, the Pasuk writes like this. The angels say, take your wife, which eventually she, would, she wouldn't survive it. She would turn into a uh, salt shaker. And go take your two daughters. And nimsaot. And nimsaot that are, how would you say and nimsaot? That are present. Okay, that are present. Your two daughters that are here. So that she says, and nimsaot, hamzumanot lecha babayet, lehatsilam. Hamzumanot lecha babayet, lehatsilam. That are with you in the house. I saw a rabbi called Lev Ariyeh. He Listen to the way these men learned Nashi. They pick every word apart. Like it's a, it's a brain surgery. They don't let Nashi get away with an extra word. So they say, the girls, hamzumanot lecha, that are found, what is, let's have to say, babayit. What's going to where they were? Basically, save your daughters. Like if they're in the babayit, or they're in the, in, in the park, or... If the angels mean to say, your daughters will be saved. The daughters will be saved. Which daughters? I'm zumanot lecha babayit. Well, if they're in the bayit, they become more my daughter than if they're not in the bayit. Who cares what location they are? We're saving your daughters. Hazak Baruch. Says the Lev Aryeh that Rashi is coming to tell you the reason why they got saved is because they also were in the bayit. And if they're going to be the, the mother of Moab, for Moab ladies to be okay, Moab lady, like Ruth, she has to have the origins of bayit. So her, her legality comes from Saraba bayit, and then the two daughters of Lot, Adim Sa'ot, Babayit, that word is that she is Medayek, the Bayit. It's a very, 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 very beautiful diuk. Fine. Now we continue. I'm getting to my point yet. I didn't get to it yet. Although you learned a lot today. You learned a lot, but we didn't say the main, uh, the main item. So now what happens? As we said, this is a Gemara. It's the last paper that I have to present today. It's a Gemara in Megillah, page 13. And the Gemara over here says something stunning about Jewish kings. And ultimately Mashiach. When Borei Olam is looking for families to produce Jewish kings, the Gemara says that there's one midah, there's one feature or character trait that must be present. It's Gemara Megillah 13b. I'm reading. In the merit of the modesty that Rachel Imenu had, King Shaul would descend from Rachel, in, in her modesty. And in the zikhut of the modesty of Shaul would come Queen Esther. Modesty begets kings, and more modesty begets queens. And, and then the Gemara goes on to say the different ways that Rachel was modest. And interesting, the proof of her modesty was not in how long her dress was. I'm sure she had a long dress. But that's not the Gemara's proof. They didn't have pictures of Rachel. They know exactly if it reached the elbow or didn't reach the elbow. That's not what they're talking about in this Gemara. Her modesty is that she was, she didn't talk so much. 
didn't talk so much. She was able to keep a secret. A secret <laughs> that she knew <laughs> that uh, Yaakov gave her certain signs and she could have, uh, uh, she gave the signs over and she never told, the way we learned the Gemara, she never, she, she gave the signs over to Leah casually and never actually told her the truth that I'm giving over you to my husband, I'm giving my husband to you. Leah just thought, oh, she got signs, she didn't know what these signs were, she gave them over to Yaakov, she, got, she didn't know that this was actually Rachel giving over a husband, she kept that a secret. Uh, you'll see from the text, Leah never knew. Leah says, uh, uh, well, it's enough you took my husband, she says to her one day. It's enough you, I took your husband, I gave you my husband. So it means Leah didn't even know the, Rachel didn't talk so much. And they say that's a royal uh, midah. Uh, to be able to keep a secret, not to say everything you know, uh, not to answer everything, keep certain things uh, underneath. Uh, the Gabbara says, from that brought Shaul. And Shaul had modesty, brought Queen Esther. And we know Esther was very quiet. In Esther Magedet, she's silent, she doesn't talk. As much as Hasmarosh was trying to pry who she is, uh, she has the midah of shtika. That's the midah of malchut. Privacy. Oh, if that's the case, so we start to understand something over here, very, very, very important. In order to establish Malchut, and the ultimate Malchut, which is Mashiach, the road that paves us to Mashiach is Sini'ut. Sinut not only in dress, but sinut in our revealing everything to others. It probably explains why there's such a delay for the Mashiach. Because today I think we're moving away from that form of sinut. Today everything becomes exposed. On social media, specifically, which is the point over there is that today everything is revealed. Everything that a person does is, is, is known. Everybody's on a, a chat with 50 people that immediately if they have some sort of accomplishment as menial as it is, all the 50 people know about it on the spot. And there's a family chat and a cousin's chat and a brother's chat and a shul chat and all these chats over here where everybody's broadcasting everything which is hefech, the midav tziniut. Now, you could, you could be doing this with a dress down to the floor and two wigs on your head, but that doesn't mean you're modest, because in this case over here, just the revelation of private things, of things that uh, uh, should remain... First of all, it's not the midav malchut. It's not royal. It's not a royal trait, that's for sure. Well, I should take that back. It's not a Jewish royal trait. Maybe the, maybe the royal Brits uh, have that trait, but that's not royalty. We're talking about the Jewish royalty has its uh, uh, foundation in Sini'ut, in Sini'ut uh, of, of lifestyle. Matobu o'alecha Yaakov, it's, the doors and the windows don't face each other, we learned. Uh, that they don't uh, have any access to any other people's business. Where today, everybody's life becomes a public domain. <laughs> and it's not that the people that are prying, the people are giving the information. Everybody is very, very uh, comfortable to share everything. It's not uncommon. If a lady gets a gift, she'll take a picture of it and send it to everybody. If a person's in a restaurant, takes a picture of the menu, takes a picture of a steak, as if we never saw what a piece of steak looks like. Uh, or if a person it happens to be in a place where there's a sun. Oh, it's a sunny day. And it happens to... We know what the sun looks like. So you merit it to, to be sitting in a place of... But this is because we want everybody to know everything, which is hefech of exactly... And it probably explains the delay. I'm, I'm not kidding with this. It explains the delay because it's the hefik of what the what malchut is. Just take an example. I saw brought down in one of the sefarim. There's seventy nations. Which letter in the alphabet is seventy? Ayin. That's the guim. Ayin. Ayin. That they have to see everything and they have to know everything and they want everybody to, to see it, they represent it in ayin. And the Jews are one, which is what? Aleph. Now if you know the letters Aleph spelled the word Pele. Pele does not only mean wonder, but ki. Pele memecha means 
if it becomes unknown to you. Pele means something that's hidden, something that's concealed. Aleph is otiyot pele, which means concealment. And if we look at the difference between the ayin and the aleph, the ayin umot, revelation, look at me, see me what I'm doing, ayin. And the Jewish nation is aleph, which is pele, which is concealment. I'll just give you a, a, a simple example so you understand it. Look at the story of Sedom. The story of Sedom, I think, is very, very symptomatic of what's going on today. You remember when Lot invited the guests over, the angels to come into his house, we talked about it? They came into his house. They came into his house. Unbelievable. And all of a sudden, what happened? Before they got to sleep, all of a sudden there's a whole mob that starts to surround. What happened? Well, you can imagine what could happen today. All you need is a few text messages. Uh, meet over here, come over here, a couple of WhatsApps. A couple of, and all of a sudden, a private information of Lot inviting a couple of guests becomes the news of the whole town. Minar ba'zakin. Minar ba'zakin. That means from the, from the youngest to the oldest, kolam. The entire people, mikatseh. And all of a sudden, the whole town now is in a, in a riot and in an upheaval. And that's the way of the goyim. Between the, the publicity of the things and the sword, all of a sudden, the whole town knows. What's Lot's doing? Which is mamash, mamash hefech of what Klai says all about. If somebody's doing something, it's his business, leave alone. You shouldn't have to do with it, nor should he have to tell you what he's doing. But in, 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 in Sedom land, everything's public. Man has a guest. Everybody got the cameras all over the place. Two minutes later, everybody's there. Where's the guest? How do you know about it? We know everything. Everybody's you know, texting each other. We figured it out. No, there's a webcam already on it. That's it. Everybody's watching the, the, the Lord's house. Which is the hefech of what Klai Yisrael is. And now listen to the way we can explain. So now what happens, the Torah is coming to tell us that God destroyed Sedom. And God saves Lot in the merit of something. In what merit? I have no doubt. He saved him in the merit like the Ramban says, for escorting Abraham. That's a big zikhut. I don't take that away from him. And for sure he has a zikhut, Lord, for inviting the guests over. That's a great zikhut. But this pasuk that's talking about his zikhut is written right before him and his daughters are together. The next pasuk says, Ushteh benotav imor. The pasuk right before Moab is born. The Torah is telling us what zechut did Lot have that Moab would be born from him, which is the father of Ruth, which is the father of David, which is the father of Mashiach. He must have had an element of kingdom in him, Lot. And that's why that she says, for this, the zechut is that he didn't reveal the secret. That's the bidah. Because here we're not looking just to list all Lot's zechuyot. We're trying to figure the zechut that Moab would come out of him, which is the father of root, which is the father of kingdom. And the Gemara says, kingdom only can come with his tzini'ut. Where do we see Lot was Sanua? Ah, that time when he was with Abraham and he knew information. And he could have talked. And he could have sent a, a WhatsApp to Paro and say, look, I'm the brother. And he didn't say it to a soul and he kept it a secret. That zikhut maybe not saved him from Sedom. Maybe some other zikhut. But after he got saved, and you know how the Pasuk says it? Listen to the way we learn the Pasuk now. Vaishalah et lot. Mitof, mitoch ha'afecha. How did we learn mitoch ha'afecha till now? either from the upside-down town, he didn't get turned upside-down like everybody else, or from the elements that got changed, he got saved from. But now today we explain it, and I saw this brought down by the Sadiqim. He got saved, mitok, ha'afecha, because he was different than them. 
He was hefech. Sedom, everything was public. And Lot had the midah, midat hafucha. Midat hafucha means he wasn't like them. He was the polar opposite of what Sedom was. So if you ask somebody, what zechut did Lot get saved? Mitoch hafucha, from being different, from being hafuch. In Sedom, everybody's business is everybody's business. Everybody knows what everybody's doing. Everybody wants to know what everybody's doing. And Lot, Abraham's business is business. And if I know something, it's not my business to reveal it to anybody. And therefore, he gets saved by Shalach et Lot, mitoch ha'afecha. Have the way we're learning? From being different. Lot was hafuch. He was hafuch. I, I conclude when the secret is coming right now. There's one day a week that we have that we have a perfect uh, exercise in being private and quiet and modest and to ourselves, and that is Shabbat. And that's why Shabbat is called Shabbat Malkita, because Shabbat represents Malchut. And that's why on Shabbat, the Pasuk says they didn't go out for the man on Shabbat. This is the day of Malchut. Malchut is Siniut. Even the speech on Shabbat is limited. We're not limited on the speech during the week. We could talk. I mean, just as long as it's not Lashon and you're not talking about me, you could talk a lot of things during the week. But on Shabbat, already we're restricted. It has to be this sort of that. Why? Because since it's Inyan of Malchut, Malketa, Therefore, that's where we have to show the traits of Malchut. And the traits of Malchut is not going out, being private, limited the talking besides the Vret Torah. You understand the behavior of Shabbat, and that's why the Gemara says, if the Jews would just keep one more Shabbat, the Mashiach would come. What does it mean? Because the Shabbat is the nature of Malchut. And therefore, if they would just keep one Shabbat the proper way, and they would have that nature of the tzini'ut of the Shabbat, and the modesty of the Shabbat, instead of knowing that it was on their bicycles going out, and then people still cannot put up their phones on Shabbat, and then the people are talking and going and reading the papers. But you're going against the whole Malchut. So I said to myself, is there a remez to this? Is there a hint to this concept? That on Shabbat, the Jews show that they're different from everybody else. On Shabbat, the rest of the world is still going. The internet is still on, the WhatsApp is still on. So, and the Jews, on that day, God says they are different. On that day, you can see, because the rest of the week, it's not so obvious. But on Shabbat, you come to the shul, nobody has a phone. How can it be? Yes, nobody has a phone for 24 hours. We can't believe it. You're not connected. You're not connected to anything. You don't know what's going on in the world. Nothing. On Shabbat, we see the difference. It is on Shabbat that we leave the rest of the world and God, we show that God that we're, we're the opposite. And that's why... The way we enter the Shabbat is with a famous song that was written by Rabbi Shlomo El Kabetz. And whenever you read the songs of the greats, you have to study each word. These are the early rabbis, and therefore they didn't just write poems that rhyme with each other. This is not the deal Edgar Allan Poe or Robert Louis Stevenson that are writing, uh, you know, poems and uh, haiku. This over here are very, very deep songs, and there have been books written in order to explain the kavana of what these tzaddikim write. And if it, this is a song that's been accepted throughout Israel. And what do we say in it? Mikdash Melech. Mikdash Melech is referring to the Mikdash, the temple, the temple of the king. Ir Melucha is in the city of Melucha, which is Jerusalem, which in this chapter, as well as the earlier chapters, we're praying for the Mashiach. Bring the, bring the Beit HaMikdash back. In the chapter right before that, or right after that, we say... Uh, your time has come, Mashiach. Al Yad Ish Ben Parzi, which is Ben Peretz, which is Mashiach. The whole Rechadudi is a, a, a prayer that God reveal. But we say, Mikdash Melech Ir Melucha. Kumi Tsei. 
We're asking the Mashiach and the Shekhinah, Kumitzei. But in what zechut? Mitoch ha-hafecha. And I looked in the books of the Sidurim, and they say, where did Rabbi Shlomo Elkabetz get these words, Mitoch ha-hafecha? From our parashah. Vayeshalach etlot mitoch ha-hafecha. That we're saying in the Lechadodi, it is the Shabbat that is going to redeem us because it is mitoch through the hafuch, through acting different than everybody else, from behaving more modestly and more private and more closed and more to ourselves. That's where Mikdash Melech in Melucha. And therefore we say, you have sat and put us in great valleys of, 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 of destruction for so many years. The temple's been destroyed. But now God will have Mercy on you, Hemla. So therefore, when it says, it doesn't mean rebuild the temple from its from its destruction that was turned upside down. That would be a simple interpretation. But the deep explanation we're saying today is, if the temple is going to be rebuilt, and the Mashiach is going to, be, to come, and we learn the lesson of Shabbat, then already, we leave mitoch, through what? Through hafecha through doing something that's hafuch, from being different, from not being like everybody else. Everybody else is following the way of Ebed. And an Ebed cannot be a Melech. And to be a Melech, you have to even have that trait of Lot. Even though one time he did it. He just exuded that Midah once. That he kept quiet. Already that was enough to bring root. Every time we control ourselves from revealing a secret about ourselves, we are one step closer Malchut, and we're one step closer to activating the hafecha, the obvious difference that's between Malchut and Abdut. And as a result of that, what the Lechadudi says on the entrance of Shabbat, which is the day of the Malketa, we'll stop over here.